Day and welcome to the Pandemi Show. Stories of the Pandemi for people living in the Pandemi. No one is alone on the Pandemi Show. Thanks for joining us as we unite humanity through stories of hope, connection, and community in the face of the global pandemic. We are all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Thanks for taking a moment to like, subscribe, and follow the Pandemi Show on social media. Thanks for joining us as we transcend time and space to go to Vancouver, Canada to talk with an artist. Who are you? I'm Neil Osborne, a.k.a. Nizwiz. Nizwiz, we're so fortunate to have you here today on the Pandemic Show. Aninen and Bojhu, thank you for talking with us today. I am doing this interview from the Upper Canada Treaty in Southern Ontario. I'm on the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee and Neutral people. Could you tell us, Nizwiz, what was your life like pre-pandemic? I'm starting to fade that memory. What I can recall is things were getting, what, what normal was, was a certain amount of anxiety, a certain amount of fast-paced rush, a certain amount of what am I going to do next, just looking forward to the next thing, moving along. This, the pandemic was, was kind of good in the sense that it, did promote a little like, okay, got check time. It's gone on a little long though. You worked on an exciting project, Nizwiz, and it's an it's a concept album. Each song is from a different perspective. Could you tell us a little bit about your passion project? It's weird because if you listen to it, it was that it's actually almost as if it was with that in mind, but it wasn't. It was just like you just sort of sense what is it, a coming together of all these different sort of chaos entities. I thought, with South Gap and technology and things getting out of hand. And I just couldn't tell whether it was me just feeling that, like life's passing me by because I'm getting older, or whether things are actually kind of getting a little out of hand. So I decided to write about it and see what came out. And this project was inspired by the Magic Mountain 1920s story by Thomas Mann. That's one of the angles that came in on it. And then one is Yuval Harari, you know, wrote Homo Deus and the AI side of you know, warning us of the AI side. The Thomas Mann thing, primary thing about the Thomas Mann thing is what struck me about that book, and it's a classic and it's a long book, was that the character, the main character, Hans Kantstorp, I think his name was, went, got into a lot of debates and a lot of discussions about philosophy and politics attitudes towards certain things of the day and really took to heart other people's ideas and opinions and digested in his mind, thought about them, reflected on them and went, okay, I could take this concept and look at it. And I could take this perspective of looking at something and looking and appreciating that's where that person's coming from. We don't do that so much anymore because firstly, the re- I think the main reason is everything's so quick paced. There's not really room for discussion and debate and, and ideas to be exchanged into a dialectic. So Magic Mountain vibe for sure. That's really powerful because we do find ourselves in a time where civil discussion is lacking. It seems that there's extreme partisanship where people have taken aside and they don't seem open to trying to understand other perspectives. What you're saying that 
people put that out. It's because they're after reaction. Everybody's turned into a used car salesman. They need a quick hit. They need a quick fix. So they got to do it fast. And they know they can get a reaction if they say this fast. It's more the people. It's not to receive a message properly and take time. I think that's, it's our problem as a public. It's not so much the bad actors that we blame. I think that the, our mind said it's changed we're sort of like been almost electroshocked into quick stimulus you know what i'm saying and, and not allowed to take time and say yeah i want to think about this for a while and decide where where this all should go it seems like there does is that make a, sense yeah it does thank you nizwiz and thanks for joining us here on the pandemic show stories of the pandemic for the people of the <laughs> pandemic it seems like a lot of polarization during the pandemic. We're coming into it from a disposable society where everybody wants things. There's a sense of immediacy and everything seems to be disposable. It seems to be polarized, whether you believe in COVID-19, whether you believe in following public health, whether you believe in cutting edge science. Your album is so powerful because it touches on so many of the big ideas that we as a society are facing, like the wealth gap. Since the pandemic started, according to Forbes magazine, there's been almost 500 new billionaires created. While at the same time, hundreds of millions of more people have fallen below the poverty line. I've been watching the internet and there Mm -hmm. does seem to be a lot of attention to the billionaire space race. We've got billionaires flying into low, high orbit, low space orbit, spending wild amounts of money. We have a homeless problem. I know in Toronto, there's police evictions of people in apartments. There's militarized evictions of homeless encampments. And we have such a dichotomy. There's been a lot of winners created by the pandemic and a tremendous amount of losers. What do you think? And you wrote the song before the pandemic, this album that highlights wealth inequality before the pandemic. What do you think now during the pandemic? Well, it was certainly an opportunity for the wealth gap to increase. In other words, it's a nice distraction. I'm not saying that the pandemic is not real. I'm not saying it's not the health measures aren't necessary, but you've noticed quite a skirting of the, the wealthy to get wealthier. So it, almost to the point where we don't notice and start, it's starting to come out a little bit now, right? And we're all kind of shrugging going, oh, well, you know, that's just the way it goes. And it's, it's a paradigm of believing in the value of things. And that's a big shift that ultimately has to happen some point in time. But I actually am not sure if it will. I think that you're going to get a, a situation like a Dr. Strangelove pretty quick, honestly, you know, with climate change and all like that. In other words, those billionaires and multimillionaires that protect themselves against our eroding planet will. And the rest of us will just probably die. You make a good point about climate change. Since the pandemic started, we had wild forest fires in Australia, forest fires in 2020 on the West Coast of North America. You can see the smoke across the continent. And then we had an unbelievable hurricane season. (laughs) India has been get hit by numerous cyclones. There's fires back in North America. The volatility of weather really is a concern. Yeah, I mean, just right now, outside here in Vancouver, the sky's smoky. I mean, my eyes are stinging from the smoke. And I think this is going to be a common thing. We used to joke when we were a little bit younger, not too younger, but, you know, how with climate change, well, at least out here on the West Coast, it'll be like California. Well, it kind of already is. I mean, we haven't had rain in, in months, and it's been a perfect day. and oh, It's too hot, you know, uh, a few times. That's unheard of. 
So that's, it's definitely happening. And I think what's happening with the wealthy is they're just adjusting and they're fine. It's alarming the lifeboat ethics where some people have nice boats and the rest of us don't have boats. Yes. Do you think now is the time to implement a human basic income? Yes. Overdue. Long overdue. Yes. Has to happen. That was the, one of the good things about the pandemic and people like being unemployed and getting those SERP checks and stuff like that. It's a good test of, of UBI, and I think it's working, and I think it's a great idea. I think it's a critical idea. It's a start, anyway. I think it's an idea whose time has come, especially with the rise of automation and all these other challenges. Now, wealth redistribution. It's hard to tax people who don't want to be taxed. There's loopholes. It's hard to tax the rich, but we need to address the income inequality. Do you think bi- the billionaire class is going to get down with paying more taxes? No. <laughs> not well it's just too i want to say rigged i mean that those the tax law is so complicated and written you know and the tax lawyers get in there and find those loopholes or create situations so like, they don't pay as much it feels like a situation where he who pays the piper picks the tune and it seems like big business multinational corporations the billionaire class they really are writing a lot of the tax tax policy it's been alarming in recent years with with revelations around the Panama Papers and just how deep tax avoidance runs. I think one shining light in the pandemic is that recently the G7 nations put together a policy that they want to have a global basic corporate income tax. So that to me does seem to be a step in the right direction. That would be good. Yeah. I think corporations almost are more amenable to the actual governments. But problem with wealthy people this is the big, I find it's just uncanny. And I've, you know, I've played for a lot of them <laughs> is they think they've earned their money and they deserve it. <laughs> no, it's just, you managed to manipulate the value system in such a way that you have all the money that rose to you. That's it. If the society decided values totally changed and we don't subscribe to this, then you're not a billionaire today. I just it, find it weird. People think they are, they deserve it more than anybody else. We have a rampant opioid pandemic raging. And it reminds me too of our situation with the billionaires. It's almost like they're addicted to money. They can't get enough. They have an addiction like a junkie cooking something <laughs> up in a spoon. And it seems like money is one of the ultimate addictions. And these people can never get enough. And And they're blinded by the consequences of the lack of redistribution of wealth. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because my dad, when he was working and alive, he worked for Central Mortgage and Housing Corporation. He came out of the war, World War II, and with the philosophy, you know, he, he helped build the wartime houses for everybody. A lot of them probably are in your neighborhood, you know, the little bungalows. And uh, exactly what you mean. it yeah. seemed like everybody should have a right. Yeah, everybody should have a right to have a home. Now, houses are a commodity. Now you're hearing you know, companies in states like BlackRock buying up single family dwellings to create permanent renters of the middle class, taking away that American dream. It's the Borg. (laughs) Resistance is fertile. There is a housing crisis here in Ontario. It seems that a lot of people own multiple houses and to to pay for it all, rents have gone up. It it is a powder keg. Something's going to have to give. It's going to be interesting to see if we can come together. Yeah. If we can come together to look out for all of them. Now, another powerful theme on the NISWIS project was technology and technological addiction. With the social media around the pandemic show, I'm on the computer quite a bit, just wondering if there's something I need to see. What are your thoughts on social media and the downside of technology? I don't have a lot of positive thoughts of social media. I don't really understand it. You know, like my daughter, 
Candle, who's got a great record out. And she's out there chasing likes and streams and stuff. I'm going, well, is that what you want to do? Is that your thing? You know? A, and But I guess that's what people do. And like I said, it gives them a little, little, uh, little chemical rush. But generally, I think it's bad. I think it's not necessary. I'm a late so. adopter of technology. The dot-com bubble, I was there, but it didn't get me doing anything. The pandemic has really yeah. forced me onto technology. It's gotten me on Zoom. It's got me managing a website. It's got me doing a social media strategy, audio editing. I picked up so many new skills around technology. And it seems like it is a meaningful substitute for human togetherness, but not a perfect substitute. And you see so many people now looking at their phones rather than the people around them. And it is quite sad. Yeah. Yes. There's always a trade-off, right? I mean, if you believe in that sort of balance of things, I mean, something you can only put your attention so far in one direction and you have to eliminate in other places. How present are you in your environment when you're always looking at a screen, for example? And then not to mention that the manipulation, the Yuval Harari stuff, that the manipulation of you as a person watching a screen or interacting with a screen or a website or a social media, how the algorithm algorithms are basically putting their little tendrils inside your brain and, and not only trying to, what we already are aware of, appease you and just find out what turns you on and keep hitting that at you in a way that they can make a profit, but they're actually going to be manipulating a certain way in a direction. One of them is to accept the Billionaires are okay. Just it's, saying. I think a lot about my connection with nature. And I try to spend time out in the trees, out on the trails by the Nith River, try to get out in the bush, try to connect with animals and all that great stuff. I wonder if part of our problem is our disconnection to nature and the nature deficit disorder that seems to be running rampant. Even when people do get out to the lake or somewhere, they're on their phone, not really absorbing the natural goodness of Mother Earth. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like a divorced dad doing quality time with his kids. Not good enough. <laughs> it's not good enough. Have you found that your bubbles got more of a connection with nature since the pandemic with all this downtime? Or have you had more observations of the natural world around you? Yeah. Well, one thing, I did live in Victoria, but even before the pandemic, we had sold our house and we had to move during the pandemic. We went to Gabriel Island, which is where we were in the 90s when we were raising our kids. That is a nice little island, no traffic lights, one grocery store, one coffee shop, one restaurant. You know, we're at the other end of all of that on the island. It's great. It's like living in a campsite with a house on it. You can hear the birds, hear the birds and then their wings flap in the air. <laughs> That's fantastic. And shout out to Supreme Echo Records in Victoria, BC. Thanks to Nardwar, the human serviette in Vancouver. Canada and his tweet show, I was fortunate enough to get a Perth County conspiracy record from Victoria from Supreme Echo Records. We are very fortunate today to have Nizwiz here on the Pandemic Show. Stories of the Pandemic for the people of the Pandemic. Nizwiz has just put out his latest art project. It's a collection of songs that help us think about the world we live in and the world we want to live in. Each song from a different perspective deals with the important issues of uh, income inequality, technological addiction, and political partisanship. Nizwiz. We're very fortunate to have you here today on the Pandemic Show. We would like to play song title in the form of a Pandemic question inspired by Nardwar the Human Serviette. Are you up for it? Absolutely. Let's do it. How can God do us a solid during the pandemic? Stay out of the way. 
stay home, stay isolated. God should stay out of the way. Dang. God should stay out of the way. Now, I've started reading again during the pandemic. I've been reading Octavia Butler, the American writer, the Mars NASA landing site is named after the Octavia Butler landing site. She explores the theme of God and change. And she says, God is change. She talks a lot about how we all have a little bit of God inside all of us and our actions are transformative. But when we look at the United States now, even here in Southern Ontario, there's a lot of fundamentalist mentalities that are using God to justify anti-vax, anti-mask, anti-community types of behavior. I'm not going to mention the church, but there's a there's a radical church in Elmer, Ontario. Its members have assaulted senior citizens in the community. It is interesting how love and things that are supposed to be positive can be twisted into such evil ways. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Our next question on song title in the form of a pandemic question with Nizwiz. The pandemic highlights the broken pieces of before times, evident in the lyrics of your album. How do we mend these broken pieces of our society? The cliche answer would be to understand which pieces that are broken and admitting that they're broken the old AA thing. Once we do that, then we decide how we want to put Humpty Dumpty back together. Maybe it should be a turtle instead. <laughs> the broken pieces, our climate, our polluted air, our polluted water, deforestation. I'm thinking about all the earth defenders at Ferry Creek right now who are facing yeah. are, are facing the RCMP, the, the people that are here to protect our country. We're kind of seeing the colonial model at work where they're being used to protect resource extraction. That's going to have consequences for all of us. Also, how we treat our seniors. Absolutely. A little disappointed. I'm just a little disappointed in our NDP government here on that, on the Great Creek side of things, certainly. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be change on how we treat our seniors? I know in Ontario, seniors were adversely affected in our long-term care and retirement homes. Migrant workers also well, adversely affected. I suppose there there is going to be and there should be the you know the essential problem in North America is the warehouses of old people. As our parents get older, we don't we want to keep keep on with our even busier lives, so we stick them somewhere and through all the money that they've earned, just keep them alive for another two or three years. I, I think that the model has to change to a more traditional one where they still live at home or or in, integrated more into the community, and you really don't warehouse seniors. I think that's that's that creates the problem right there because no one's really there on, on their benefit. It's just to make money. The profit incentive really does reduce the care. It was really upsetting here in Ontario that pandemic relief money from the government went to long-term care facilities that then paid out millions in dividends to investors. The problems are quite clear. It's yeah. complex, but not yeah. confusing. It seems that there's a lack of political will. Will this pandemic unify people? Will this pandemic lead to that massive change? That, that I think most people realize we need. And no, it certainly hasn't done that. And I don't think it will. But I, I do think that the economic situations could get so dire and the climate situations could get so dire that that might finally trigger some change. And it might be a scenario where if the people lead, the government will follow. One of the things that have come up in our 50 plus interviews with people from around the world on the pandemic show is that the neighborhood level has been strengthened. People who might not have known their neighbors or cooperated at the street level, that's happening. I know I've been very fortunate to get to spend some time 
at the Indigenous Garden in Wilmot, learning about food security from First Nation members in our community. I think a lot of the things in my life that are giving me hope are things that I'm doing on the individual level in my own life. Yes, I think you're absolutely bang on with that. And that's where it's got to start. You know, it's always struck me as backwards government, how the federal government seems to have the most power, but the least actual direct influence and, and communication with me as a citizen, whereas my people on my street or, you know, the mayor, like you take uh, Buffalo, for instance, which now is a socialist mayor, that those people are speaking and they have spoken, right? And they don't care about anything else, what's going on in the States, because it gets more bureaucratic and more removed from a direct effect on the individual. I kind of think that the that the vote in the city or even the community or the council members should be the most powerful person to you. And then it should they should dictate up the chain up the chain. It should reverse. Does that make any sense? The federal government should have the least power. Yeah, they should be taking direction from the bottom. It reminds me of the principle of subsidiarity that the level of government closest to the people is the level that's best able to represent the people. Absolutely correct. Yeah. What a treat today to go into a deep dive in some of the worst societal problems <laughs> that we have, that we all need to have that tough talk about. Because in many ways, just having that tough conversation is the first step. It's interesting how the first four, five months of the pandemic, there wasn't much happening on the social justice, the social movement front. But now people are back on the streets, like the the land defenders at Ferry Creek. So it's going to be interesting to see if this momentum, this this momentum from the bottom, this people's momentum keeps picking up momentum and turns into something something stronger, more organized, more unified. I think that, that that's a positive for sure and is important and, and, and it's gaining strength and the media is buying into it. The minute it becomes, once again, an economic issue, the media is out and they're not supporting that idea. That, those are important issues. They tend to, you know, I don't want to sound wrong or crass here, but they tend to, once again, deflect some of the more important influences to our well-being, and that is the economic disparities. So it is good, though. You're right. It is tricky with the corporate media because they do have that economic imperative or they're not going to write a story that goes against their advertisers' bottom line. Yeah. Which is in our best interest, and it, it is unfortunate. Wow, Nizwiz, we are so fortunate to have you here with us today on the Pandemic Show, helping us explore some of these more challenging, dark issues that we as a community and neighborhoods need to address. Nizwiz, one last question for you: mm. What do you think the world will be like in after times? Do you think we are going to see change, or is it going to be status quo? Oh, we're definitely going to see change. We're definitely going to see change. I'm not sure what that is yet because I still almost remember what it was like before. And when, when that's completely forgotten, that's where we'll be. Yes. I don't know. I knew we would definitely see change. It won't be status quo. It, it may be a new status quo. Meet the old boss, same as the old boss, a new boss, same as the old boss, whatever the who song is. I don't know. Can't. I don't know. But keep your eyes open is my guess what you should do and ears and heart. You heard it here, folks. Keep your ears and your heart open. Look to be part of that positive social change. Before we go, Nizwiz, do you have time for a pandemic poem? I felt like this poem could almost be tweaked into a song on your album. Okay. It's called Antibodies with Our Love. One, two, three, PPE. I hope we are COVID free. Income inequality spreading like wildfire. Giant hogweed on our waterways goes to seed and spreads its burning sap. Sunlight done right. Got to be part of the fight. Scotch thistle, wet your whistle. Seeds spread like missiles. Blow your whistle. Seeds are airborne everywhere. Watch out, they're in my pandemic hair. 
moist droplets, curly moplets, put on a mask, don't drop it. See someone pull down their mask and let out a cough. I stand back, scratch my head, bad breath, worse than meth, on a drug diet, junkie, why did you try it? Who's putting the poison in the supply chain? Fried bat, might try it. No way, would rather roll in the hay in my bubble, bubble, wubble. Back to school in September. Ministry of Public Education run by the homeschool and private elites, part of our nation. Greed and fundamentalism in their blood. We will give them the antibodies with our love. There you go. (laughs) Good. It is just such an honor to get to recite Antibodies with Our Love with you, a master poet, master songwriter. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening to The Pandemic Show. We're all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Physically distance with us at pandemishow.com. Be a part of our community by subscribing to and sharing The Pandemic Show. Thanks for taking a minute to email an episode, share a link, or promote us on social media. Pandemic Show is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. Stories from the pandemic for the people of the pandemic. Do you have an interesting pandemic story and want to share? Email us at pandemishow at gmail.com. Thanks to all our guests. Thanks to Giant Value for singing us in and letting us know everything is going to be all right. No one is alone at the Pandemic Show.